Welcome to Stanger and Little McDaddy's The All right. Uh, thanks to my wonderful daughter for the introduction. If you're new here, uh, my name is Rick Crawford. I am the host of The Sustainable Angler, uh, which I created to inspire anglers to protect the planet, uh, which is why I am uh, excited to hear today's interview. Um, I have Ted Upton. He is the CEO of North Point Brands, also known as Cheeky Fishing and Wingo Outdoors. And we talk about the, uh, the history of Cheeky and Wingo and how they got started. Um, we also talk about some of the sustainability initiatives that their company has going on. Uh, notably, they uh, are recent members of 1% for the Planet, uh, which is awesome, but they do a ton of other stuff. Uh, they have the Schoolie Tournament. Uh, they've been giving back to conservation since their inception. So just a, a really cool brand and if you're a, if you are a uh, small business owner, I think you'll want to listen to this because Ted provides some really interesting insights. So um, I hope you enjoy. And if if you like what you're hearing, by the way, um, if you could do me a favor and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music, uh, this helps to get the podcast out in front of more listeners um, so we can hopefully inspire even more anglers to protect the planet. So thanks for tuning in. Sustainable Angler is brought to you by Emerger Strategies. Emerger Strategies is a sustainable business consultancy that's helping our clients prove that doing good is good for business. To learn more, visit www.emergerstrategies.com. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Rick. I'm really excited to be here. Ted Upton, CEO and founder of Cheeky Fishing and Wingo Outdoors. Uh, I grew up in the great state of Maine uh, and was an avid uh, trout fisherman and striped bass fisherman growing up. Uh, that translated shortly into college into wanting to turn my my passion into, into my work. And um, shortly after college, I founded Cheeky Fishing with uh, three business partners who are still involved in the business today. Uh, and we were inspired to try to uh, do things differently. We were younger, uh, we approached the sport differently. We like to have a lot of fun. Uh, and you know, at that time, uh, one of the one of the things that I think is challenging about the fly fishing industry is it can often uh, be hard to approach, right? And yeah. so, especially for new anglers getting into the sport. So when we started Cheeky Fishing, uh, that was one of our key founding principles was accessibility and access to the sport uh, through education and 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 trying to have some fun while while doing it. So that's why you know Cheeky is what it is. It's it's um, got those bright colors, fun designs, uh, and obviously uh, fast forward twelve years, we're a leader uh, of fly rail manufacturing and design. Uh, somewhere along the way, we also started a second brand. Uh, Wingo Outdoors, you may be familiar with as well. Uh, we capitalize uh, on a lot of the fun things we've learned through Cheeky and translate that to Wingo with great designs, high quality accessories and products. Uh, for a, a little bit of a different um, consumer, uh, we target the intersection of what we like to call dog and outdoor. Uh, I think as we 
all us fly anglers know a lot of us are dog owners. Uh, and so we've had a lot of success with Wingo um, tapping into, into the dog market and its intersection with outdoor passions. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. And uh, yeah, and thank you for, for, for joining and carving some time out and, and joining the, the podcast today. Um, I think that when I first started getting into fly fishing, was or I don't think I know specifically it was 2008 but when I first went into a, a, a fly shop and saw Cheeky's reels that when I don't know when that was but whatever whenever that was but it was very different and distinguishable from anything else that you saw which was as an entry-level fly angler to your point I mean it can be a little intimidating sometimes going into a oh. shop and you know you've got people that are essentially talking a different language <laughs> like you know oh well, you know and then you know you might want to think about this pmd and the you know and you're like yeah it can be an intimidating sport to get into and not everybody um you know grew up with it or had the luxury yeah. of having a family member to help them sort of learn the sport and get into it and so for us at Cheeky, trying to do things differently uh, and and have some fun with it was always core to the mission. But you're right. Like back in, we started in 2010. So that's when our fly reels hit the market. Back then, there was very little um, differentiated in the terms of the way it looked in the real case, as you yeah. point out. Come in and be blacks and silvers, maybe some gold. Uh, but we came out with pinks and blues and greens and had a lot of fun with it. We actually took our inspiration from the ski industry. I don't know if there's really? any skiers out there, but um, we're all big time skiers. And you saw a lot of like independent, smaller manufacturers doing great things with film and media, but also technology with their products uh, and really cool and interesting graphics. So that was a huge inspiration for us from the get. What um, we bring up an interesting point with, with that. So as skiers, you, you saw that. Were there were there any other companies or industries or uh, heroes, if you will, um, that you that you sort of looked up to and was like, hey, you know, what let's let's try and model, or you were inspired by it, whatever. What, what can, can you elaborate a little on that? Yeah, sure thing. There were so many in the ski industry. And I think that really was the big one for us, Rick. Like we saw, there are a lot of giants in the ski industry, um, you know, really Rosignol and K2 and really big companies that have been around forever. But back, um, back in that time and kind of the 10 or 15 years from the mid to late 90s, uh, up through about 2010, when we were getting our company started, you did see a lot of these small independent alternative companies leaning into um, like almost a more progressive demographic of skiers. You know, we love the family element of skiing. I have three young kids, right? There were all these younger folks like taken to the backside of the mountain or even the park or doing things a little bit differently. And those larger brands, um, they weren't really able to cater to this new demographic because it sort of alienated their base. And we looked at that and we're like, this is a really interesting opportunity in the fly fishing space where, yes, we also have larger companies uh, that have a base of more traditional anglers, which we also love. Um, but there are other anglers out there, you know, chasing new species in their backyard or, or have the luxury to be able to travel uh, a little bit and chase species around the world with different equipment, faster action, different different lines. And we felt like there was an opportunity in the marketplace to design 
uh, equipment for that angler um, and sort of model after that. So that was our real inspiration. I would say that at the end of the day, like, and this has been a focus of ours for 12 years, it's all about product. So for us, like a lot of what we're talking about is kind of the market and demographics, but um, we've always felt and believe that top quality product is the, it all, it starts and ends there. So, you know, if you don't make really great pr- products that are performance oriented, reliable, dependable, then, then there's not much point in much of the other conversation. So I, I believe it starts and ends with product, but to be able to approach it in a, in a way that's a little bit different with, with marketing and your consumer demographics, that's what Cheeky's really all about. Well, that is super cool. And and you see the same thing um, reflected in, I would say, in, in Wingo, right? And that it, it is all about product, unique design, always stood out from, from, I mean, obviously you can answer this, but I mean, I, it was definitely, I think, the first any sort of like fishing scale or design like belt or something that I saw, which I definitely have some. Um, another one of those things that stood out in the lineup, you know, of like products that were out there. It's kind of a fun story, actually. It was at a um, boat ramp takeout and we were all taking off our waders and there were six or seven of us and there were like Patagonia bags and, ski, you know, raincoats that were bright colored and and all this stuff laying on the ground that I, I was I was looking around and I, I sort of noticed why is everyone's waiting belt black? It's just this like accessory that comes standard on a belt. And I couldn't, anyway, it started to bug me after two, three months. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It's a super small idea. Uh, but I was like, you know what? We're we're going to make waiting belts with colorful, fun designs and give people an opportunity to accessorize that portion of their, uh, of their gear uh, in the same way that they're sort of their bags and jackets and all those things are, are bright and fun uh, and allow you to bring a little bit of your own style. So we did it. It took off. We sold out like instantly. Uh, and then we started making dog collars and leashes and everyday belts and socks and other just fun everyday accessories yeah. uh, and gear that allowed you to bring a little bit of your outdoor passion into your uh, into your everyday life. But yeah, it's all about the product and having fun with designs and patterns and quality and materials. Um, and the the biggest thing for us, especially recently too, the 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 big pillar for us is is sustainability and how we approach product from uh, um, a total footprint perspective. Uh, and that's been a huge part of our focus over the last um, over the last several years here. Nice. And, and on the um, the sustainability front, which I, which I know that y'all are members of 1% for the planet as, as am I, um, or my company, Emerger Strategies, um, which is a big commitment. Um, but y'all actually have an initiative um, and it's 3% though, uh, but you're a 1% with the planet member. Could, could you tell us a little bit about, about that initiative? I sure can, Rick. Yeah. So I think the first thing, though, that I want to say is that um, this is a journey for us. We're not there yet. And and we're just at the beginning. And there's so much more that we hope and aim to do, Um, not only because it's the right thing to do, 
uh, for the planet and the places that we love. But I also think it's 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 good for for business as well. Um, and and I also think we can be an, an example, even though we're a small company, we want to be an example for a company of any size that can be all in on sustainability. So, you know, we're not all the way there yet. We don't claim to be. Uh, we, we vow to get there in the end, but we're taking some steps uh, that are exciting and really interesting. So you mentioned our 3% give. Um, yep, it's a 3% give, and it's also not of profit. It's 3% of our revenues. So I think that's a really important distinction to understand. Um, not every company is profitable all the time, right? And so when it's 3% of profit, uh, that's wonderful, uh, especially when it can be uh, a meaningful contribution in the end. But one of the things that we think is so impactful and meaningful about 3% give of our revenue is that anytime an order is placed um, by a retailer or on our website, 3% of that order is going to go to conservation organizations that, that help our planet. You mentioned 1% for the planet. Um, we also joined 1% for the planet as part of this 3% initiative because we really wanted a third party framework yeah. to govern our entire 3% give. We thought it was really important. Um, you know, there's a lot of like greenwashing stuff out there and just giving for giving sake and, and trying, you know, for, for, for the sake of the corporation and growth and revenue. And that's not what we want. We want a real framework. We want to make a real difference. When we give, we want it to be audited. Uh, and so that's why we joined 1% one for, 1 for the planet in conjunction with our 3% give. So even though we're doing three times as much as the 1% uh, requirement, we're using that same framework to make the give. Uh, and all of our give is to 1% for the planet members, uh, nonprofit members. And 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 who are? I know y'all donate to to several. Um, who are some of the the nonprofits that that, that yeah. y'all donating to? Good question. Uh, and um, I think one of my philosophies in general has been to try to be uh, at least a, a a mile deep instead of a mile wide. So I don't have a list of forty six organizations okay. that that we donate to, we're doing more and more, uh, but our main ones right now are Trout Unlimited. We do a tremendous amount of work with CU, uh, backcountry hunters and anglers. Uh, we really believe in access, access, as we talked about at the top of the call, public access, so important, so that's huge. We do a lot of work with science on the fly. Uh, we do some testing right in our backyard um, for our local waters. And then, as you may know, we host the world's largest fly fishing tournament, the Schoolie Tournament, every year on Cape Cod, hosted by um, by us. And we're, we're thankful to have so many great sponsors like Sims and Costa and Yeti. Uh, but all of the proceeds, 100% of the proceeds uh, from that event go to um, Keep Fish Wet, the American Saltwater Guides Association and Stripers Forever. So uh, those are um, a few of the organizations that we try to be um, as committed to as possible with our giving. Well, and that all may, you know, it, it, I, let me back up. I guess I should say there are so many companies out there that for some reason, um, don't necessarily uh, understand the importance of giving back to conservation the way that y'all are particularly 
um, as you mentioned, in an audit auditable way with 1% right. of the planet, right? And, and having sort of a, a third-party certification, but also these great nonprofits that are doing work to protect and restore the fisheries that your business is dependent upon, um, aside from what we all love, right? That's and absolutely right. And like like we said, it's not just the right thing to do for the planet, which is the first and most important thing. It's also can be good for business. If we don't if we can't protect uh the water that we love, then it won't be there as a resource for us to use in the future. It's gonna, so gonna be tough to sell reels with <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And so uh, but I think each of those organizations is a really interesting approach. They're all different. Uh, and so I think that's healthy too, from a giving perspective. Um, but yeah, having that audible, auditable framework for, for this, I think is really, it's really important by the way, you know, a huge portion, um, of it is obviously we're doing 3% give and writing a lot of checks, but I think it's important to call out that we're also involved with our time with these organizations. Uh, no. We like to do river cleanups. We like to be to roll up our sleeves and 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 actually um, actually do the work as well. And so I think that's another important piece. Um, you know, it can't just be about writing checks. It also has to be about uh, a genuine kind of interest and passion for. Uh, working with these organizations. And I think many of them would tell you that a lot of times they value the the help and the work and the, uh, you know, having our team contribute to the work they're doing can be just as valuable in a lot of cases. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I couldn't agree more. And, there, and there's something also like for, so I'm in Charleston, South Carolina, and the volunteer stuff I do has a lot to do, aside from like trash cleanups, has a lot to do with oyster shell restoration. And so like we like recycle oyster shells, make new reefs out of them. Um, and there's also just something really, you know, deeply rewarding about going out and actually getting your hands dirty and 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 doing it for, you know, the the love of the the fishery in the place. Totally. I'll give you two examples of that. Science on the Fly is a really interesting organization. If you don't know it, uh, check it out. It allows you to do local water testing in your backyard and uh, send that data in in a way that um, creates an index of data all over the country. Uh, so super fascinating way to get involved with citizen science. Another really exciting um thing about the schoolie tournament this year is uh, we've actually we used this year it, it as a platform to launch the largest catch and release study of striped bass in the world ever wow. that's ever been conducted um and that's in conjunction uh with a really prestigious grant uh from the woods woods hole sea grant uh, and working with scientists from uh, from UMass Amherst. So the schoolie tournament was actually a kickoff this year. We had scientists on the ground working with te um, teams from the schoolie tournament uh, to collect data on catch and release for striped bass. And that's a three-year study, I believe. So uh, it'll be going on the next couple of years. And we're really excited about that. It was so cool to be involved in that work with the scientists, catch a fish, collect data, uh, and do some of the accelerometer work that they're doing as well. Yeah, that's that's super cool. And so that'll be ongoing the next couple of years, I guess, of the of the tournament. It will, yeah. So we're really excited about that. That's killer. Um, well, you mentioned, uh, you know, kind of a a sustainability as a journey, right? It's it, it's a uh, your 
it's it's kind of a never ending continuous improvement story, right? It's like you know, no company is perfect. Every company uh, makes some sort of an impact environmentally, socially that can be positive or negative. Um, it's just the nature of business, right? It's the way the world works. Um, but can you tell us a little bit more um, about y'all's sustainability journey? I know conservation has been sort of Im- embedded into the into the it, baked in really um, since since inception probably. But could could you tell us a little bit more, more about y'all's journey? There's more to it than that, and and um, it is a journey, uh, and I think there's a lot we need to keep working on. So. Um, you know, one of the things that we're really focused on right now, just kind of a look under the covers, if you will, we're, uh, we're really focused on our packaging. Uh, it's, it's one of the ways that I think we can make an immediate, uh, impact and also evaluating and understanding what, um, you know, what is our overall footprint? Uh, and, you know, we make product all over the world. We make a lot of product here in the U S we make some in China and Korea, uh, and so uh, understand, I think one of the first steps, you know, for anyone listening, that's trying to understand, you know, how could I get like, how could I get started with something like this? I think trying to understand your, your footprint and doing that analysis is one of the best ways um, to, to, to get started and realize, you know, what can we be working on? What are the areas? It's, again, it's not just about writing checks or, or even volunteering for the time. Um, you know, as you pointed out, every business has an impact. And so trying to minimize that, that impact, I think is really important. So those are some of the other things that, um, that we are focused on here at North Point Brands. Um, well, that's super cool. And I mean, I think that's really important to, for every, if anyone is listening, who's a business owner, um, to, to take away from that is like, you have to start somewhere and it, it's, it's about kind of getting, wrapping your head around, okay, where are we, where can we improve? And then taking those steps. And, um, I, I, I commend y'all for, 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 for get, taking those steps. And, um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing more of, of what y'all have going on, um, when y'all are ready to, to close the hood and and and, yeah, and, and let us in. Um, we hope to make steps every year, uh, meaningful steps uh, uh, with all of our uh, product production, packaging, uh, and our work with conservation organizations. So, you know, this year we were really excited uh, to lean into our initiative to give 3% uh, uh, back and, and join 1% for the planet as that, uh, that framework. Um, the schoolie tournament, something that's been ongoing for over a decade and a huge platform, uh, for conservation there. Uh, and then our work with some of these other organizations I mentioned, uh, has been something we've, we've, we've really done since the, the very outset, uh, we've been partnered with Trout Unlimited and others, um, since the day we started. That's super cool. Um, well, let's can, can we dive a little bit deeper into the schoolie tournament? Because I mean, you're kind of saying this nonchalantly, but like, and I and I have never been to it, but like, I mean, it is massive. I mean, you, I mean, you mentioned the world's biggest, but like, I don't think people, if you're not familiar with it, understand like how big it is. Like, it, it's a huge tournament. It is. Uh, we're so you know privileged to be able to host it. We started it and. 2011. So this was our 12th annual this year. Uh, and it has grown swiftly into the what is it, it really is the largest fly fishing tournament in the world. We have to cap it 
Um, I think we had over 600 participants uh, in total uh, this this year. Such a fun tournament. Why is it so big? Why, why do so many people want to be involved? I think there's some, look, we're New England saltwater fishermen. We are pent up all winter long, right? <laughs> and so the only thing we want to do in May when the weather is starting to get nicer and the fish are migrating up the coast is, is break for Cape Cod and, uh, and, and do some fly fishing with friends. And so what's so unique about the schoolie tournament, you know, it's not a thousand dollars to enter. You don't need a boat. It's wade fishing only fly fishing only the boundaries are all of Cape Cod. Uh, and all you need is a, a buddy and, and, and a fly rod and reel to, to go. Uh, and so the barrier to entry, you know, true for anything that Cheeky does, the barrier to entry is, um, it's really low, it's easy to get involved. And so, um, it's really, it's really a special event. It's, I would say it's become sort of a festival style event. Uh, all of the sponsors are there, uh, doing product demonstrations and exhibiting and showcasing, um, their, their new products for the year ahead. And more than anything, it's a platform for striped bass. It's all about the fish. And that's what people, um, that's what we care about. That's what the the participants care about. And this, you know, striped bass need our help. So, um, we're a voice, uh, for that. We've tried every year to, uh, implement, um, that's why we partner, for example, with keep fish wet, why we partner with American saltwater guide association, uh, why we partner with stripers for forever on this event. They're all there. Uh, and we have, you know, different interesting pieces of the event like this, um, like this catch and release study that we add every year to, um, to really, I mean, like I said earlier, Rick, it's a privilege to be able to host this thing and what it's turned into. So I, I think it's our duty to use that privilege and make sure that the tournament is a platform for conservation and a voice for the fish. So, well, I love that. And, and how, how, well, first off, 600 is pretty wild. I mean, that, 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 that is a ton of, of anglers. So that's super cool in and of itself. And I just see pictures and stuff, and I'm like, man, one day I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it up there for it. Like, it's a cool scene to see everyone together. It's a celebration of the fish. It's the it's the sort of the, the informal kickoff to the season. And to have so many like-minded anglers focused on conservation in one place and, and being able to learn, not just the, you know, us too, like as the hosts, like we're learning every year about uh, the fishery and the species and adding new um, new things to the tournament. But it's a great opportunity for participants to come out and, you know, maybe learn about uh, some of the data and data collection, best um, fish handling practices, uh, all, all those good things. So you mentioned, um, so this is sort of all in, in celebration and in honor of, of striped bass, um, stripers as, as, as y'all call them, um, what is, uh, what, what are some of the, the, the threats that you mentioned sort of, the, or you alluded to, I guess, that, that these fish are, are, are facing? Yeah. I mean, it's really tough and it, it, it is seemed to go in a little bit of a systemic pattern. Uh, and right now we're at a really tough crossroads. There's a lot of overfishing going on. There's a lot of lack of under, you know, in the commercial side of things, there's a lot of lack of understanding on the recreational side of things of what our, um, what our impact is on the fishery. And I think that's one of the things that's really, really interesting about the catch and release study um, is it's the first time we're going to be able to understand in a long time what our recreational 
impact is uh, on the striped bass fishery. So uh, I'll tell you a story. Like uh, I went with a couple of the scientists and um, it's a little bit excruciating to be honest, but I caught a fish and what they do with it is they take all the data and collection and then they do an air exposure test. Um, they lift the fish out of the water for a certain amount of time. Uh, and um, uh, they record the amount of time. Uh, they have several, uh, you know, whether it's 20 seconds, 40 seconds, 60 seconds. Uh, and then they release the fish and they're looking for certain things like they'll, they'll, put it upside down. Does it right? Does it correct itself? They'll put a, um, an accelerometer on it. And what that means is they actually hook it to um, the accelerometer, at least to a spinning rod with the bail open, and they can see how fast the fish swims, if it rests and stops. And so they're able to collect all this data. Uh, and while this was going on, shortly before this, across the way, we were fishing on Cape Cod, was a group of um, traditional anglers, and they had caught a fish. They were trying to understand if it was a keeper size. Uh, and they had to have had this fish out of the water uh, for 60 seconds. And I was watching this and then turned and watched the study we were doing like five minutes later as, as the scientists are holding the fish out of the water and was like, boom, that is the use case. That is the data. This is this is why we are doing this, because as recreational anglers, uh, we need to understand our impact on the fisheries. So uh, I think those those are some of the things that are um, the biggest threat. And um, it's the balls in our court. We have to do our part as recreational anglers. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 keep fish wet. I'll just mention, as I know that Ted is uh, and, and Cheeky and Wingo are all supporters of, of keep fish wet. You know, I think a lot of anglers, um, you know, if you catch a nice fish, it's nice to get a photo and all that. But like, it, you really are on a clock. It's like, hey, like, this is not like, hey, let's lollygag and, you know, mess yeah. around with fish. It's like, all right, hey, if you're going to take a photo, like, I mean, have it ready to go back in the water. Like, get your get your pick and, and, and put yeah, it. Yeah, don't there. take it out of the water in the first place, right? Okay. I think that's one of the reasons this data is going to be really interesting to collect over three years with such a um such a an immense amount of data is it, it will likely show what you're talking about the longer you keep the fish out of the water uh the less likely a chance it has to to survive and so uh you're on the money for those listening um you know trying to keep the fish in the water at the water level uh you can create, if, you know, if you need to take a picture, if that's really important to you, do it at the water level. It's a beautiful yeah. photograph yeah. Uh, that way. And the fish is in its natural habitat. There's no real reason to, um, to, 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 to lift it out. Or if you do make sure it's dripping wet and right back in, in a, in a second <laughs> or two. So, um, yeah. but yeah, that's right. What, um, so we, we've kind of, and, and thank you for all that. It was really interesting to hear, um, which I did, had no idea, but it now makes sense, obviously, after talking to you. But the sort of the origin of uh, of cheeky and and sort of the 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 access component to it, and um, you know, conservation being a part of y'all, huge part of your brand, and going on this journey, um, it's all been really interesting to hear and about the tournament. But what we have not talked about is. Uh, what does Ted Upton like to fish for and where does he, where does he like to go? What kind of flies does he like to use? Totally. Totally. Well, um, so I grew up in Maine and um, I, you know, people ask me this question all the time. Like if you go anywhere in the world, 
where would you go and why? And I like to travel as much as the next guy, believe me. Um, but there's just something special to me about um, fishing for landlocked salmon and wild brook trout in Maine. Um, I think, Rick, for me, like fishing, the reason that I love to fly fish is because of the places that it takes me to. I love to to catch fish and, and target different species. And um, that whole process is really fun for me. But it's really, we talked about sustainability being a journey. For me, fly fishing is really about the journey. I, I love the adventure. I love being out in the woods. I love being off the grid. I love being there with good friends and family. Um, so for me, uh, you know, maybe it's because I grew up fly fishing in Western Maine. Um, but that's just, the, that's, that's the best. On the other hand, if you want to put me on the front of a, a, a tarpon boat and target some tarpon and West, I'll, I'll gladly oblige for that as well. So. <laughs> um yeah i have uh i have i've been on a tarpon odyssey this year and yeah. um um i have been to the keys a few times uh i fished for them here in south carolina uh in north carolina and in virginia this year so i've more or less followed a migration um and have fed My them lap. i've hooked them that. i've jumped them I have not landed one and it's driving me nuts. My last tarpon trip was last June. Uh, we landed uh, about five minutes before in Key West, about five minutes before the tropical stormed in. I think we were the last uh, airplane in. We uh, were there for three days of fishing. We got on the boat zero times and uh, basically <laughs> oh, no. bar hopped uh, through Key West while there was at least uh, eight or 10 inches of rainwater in the streets. It was, uh, it was a three day storm and we were there for all three days. And then I, and then I'm pretty sure we got the first flight, uh, back out. So, uh, uh, that was the, uh, the fishing trip of w where we didn't fish. But, <laughs> uh, so I got, I got a little thrown after that one and it didn't go back that summer, but I'd like to get back there. Uh, um, all right. A couple more fishing questions. I want, I want to throw at you. Um, so you mentioned brook trout in Maine. What is your, uh, you get stranded and you've got one fly um, that is going to keep you fed while, while, while you're waiting to be uh, picked up by somebody. What, what fly is it? Probably a conehead yellow marabou muddler minnow. All right. I don't even think I can repeat that back. That, that, that's, a, that's a mouthful. Marabou muddler minnow. In yellow conehead. Yeah. I would I would accept a green as well, but I prefer yellow. Okay, see, see, this is why I do this podcast. See, I I got your motivation down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I I ask everyone these questions so that I get this get this figured out. Um, all right, and uh, striped bass. Is there a particular fly that that you prefer when it comes to those? There is. It's called the Long Run One, tied by uh, the great uh, Mike Rice uh, of Mud Dog Flies, uh, and it's pretty much the only fly. Uh, I, well, let me say this: I tie. That's the tie. That's the fly that I tie on first every time. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you've you you're confident in that fly. You know, so much of it is that piece, the yeah. confidence that. And I feel that way, especially striped bass fishing, uh, but also other um, other types of fishing. The confidence piece, uh, 
for me, believe it or not, if you feel like that flies fishing, like it, it makes a difference. So I don't know what it is that has yet to be discovered by science, but there is some sort of vibe that a fish is going to pick up on that. And that might, and part of it is the confidence of like, I feel good about this. You can't want it too much. You want it too much. No way. No, they'll get locked jaw. You got to be like in this sort of Zen state of appreciating your surroundings and uh, your company and, and, and being grateful for just where you are for everything to start working. Yep. No question about it. Um, so that's my fly, the long run one. All right. Um, well, let's, um, I, I do want to ask you a, a question about sort of cheeky Wingo. That's North Point brands, right? Um, what are maybe some of the, uh, the lessons or I don't know if lessons is the right word, but what has been, um, positive for y'all like for joining one percent of the planet or starting your your three percent initiative that maybe you could pass on to other business owners about about your your journey and how it's been a, a benefit to your business yeah. that's a really good question and i know we've talked about this a little bit but i think like the really important thing for us was to take a big step right what can we do now today right? We need to understand our footprint. We need to work on our packaging. There are a bunch of things that we, that we at North Point Brands are, are actively working on. And quite, quite frankly, Rick, some of them take a year, two, three years, or, or there's something you're, you're always working on. But I guess my best advice to, you know, if other business owners are out there listening or, or whatnot, just take, take a big step, join 1% for the planet, make a commitment like that. And like a lot of the other, um, uh, uh, steps will will follow and will be a part of your process. But I think you can do some things right from the start um, that uh, will really help accelerate you uh, on on your journey. It's it's um, it's really important that we all. I, I believe, Rick, if you're not at the leading, if you're a company and you're not at today, the 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 leading edge of of sustainably minded business practices you're going to fall behind because it's going to be the expectation that consume it already is in many ways but it's going to be the expectation of consumers or even you know retailers may force that through as well and so like we said um several times not only is it the the most important thing that it's just the right thing to do uh for for the planet and and conserving those places that we that we love uh but i think that it can also be um really good and smart for business as well yeah um, well, Ted, I think that that is a pretty, uh, positive message to, to, to wrap with. Um, I wanted to, to make sure that, um, everyone knows where to go to support uh, your brand and, um, where, where can people get, get, get some gear? Yeah, you can, um, see our websites, cheekyfishing.com, wingooutdoors.com, or any of our, uh, anywhere they sell really high quality, uh, fishing reels around the country. You'll find them in our great uh, retailers. We're actually super excited because uh, we recently won a really coveted award at ICAST. We won uh, the best new fly reel for the year. That's our spray series coming out in November for a little company like like ours um, to 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 achieve that and and to um, to win an award like that. 
um, up against some of the behemoths in the space. Uh, it really says a lot about the product itself. So we're, we're thrilled about the spray that'll be available um, in November uh, at retailers nationwide. Awesome, yeah. Um, and congrats on that. That's a huge accomplishment getting getting that at uh, at ICAS, which is which is great. So um, yeah, thank you. It's, yeah, uh, um, it's to the whole the whole team. Uh, yeah, we were many many months and months and months and months in development on that product. So uh, well, I'm stoked to check that one out. And um, I would just say, is for anyone listening that obviously is is a fly angler. Um, go to your local fly shop uh test out a cheeky if they don't have it tell them to to to, to get their butt in gear and uh start selling cheeky because they're giving back to the resource and just one of, of many reasons to support um yeah. a business that aligns with with your values remember any purchase of any cheeky or wingo products three percent of that purchase of that revenue whether you buy it at a fly shop or whatnot is um goes to conservation organizations so uh, i think that's awesome and we're gonna keep uh we're gonna keep accelerating our our sustainability journey and uh, hopefully you'll have me back on in you know three or four more years and i'll have uh, some really exciting things to be talking about on our progress awesome well ted thank you very much for your time um really enjoyed talking with you yeah rick thank you it was a real pleasure to be here i really appreciate it All right. Uh, thanks for listening to the Sustainable Angler. Special thanks to Ted uh, for all he does and all Cheeky Fishing and Wingo Outdoors does to protect what we all love. And if you like what you're hearing, if you could please leave a rating and, re and review on iTunes or Apple Music. This helps to spread our message and hopefully inspire more anglers to protect the planet. Uh, we've also got a website up, uh, thesustainableangler.com, where you can find uh, blog posts, all of our previous episodes, as well as some sweet, sweet merch. Uh, so anyway, thanks for listening.